This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. No Greg uh, Kelly today. It's Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Lee, set to take you to the 3 o'clock hour. And I think the perfect way to start this out, because I haven't heard it explained yet, and nobody better, more better prepared to explain it, is when you get into the roller derby race of trying to get reelected into a congressional seat and maybe you're the subject of redistricting, no matter what state it is, and you decide... I'm going to leave my district that I'm the congressman or congresswoman to run in another district to try to stay alive in the House. That's Congresswoman Boebert, who recently was uh, the featured uh, guest of close to a 1,000 people at uh, Cipriani's downtown when former President Donald Trump was honored by the young Republicans. Everybody wanted to be sitting next to Congresswoman uh, Boebert, including Sid Rosenberg, who was in attendance, who spoke about it greatly. But what is the process? Uh, I don't know if it ever affected you uh, when you were in Congress. But when the lines get redrawn, what makes the determination if you stay in place or you decide to do a hop, skip, and a jump next door? Well, a couple of things to keep in mind. One, the Constitution doesn't require that a member of Congress live in their district. They just have to be in the same state. So you've got plenty of flexibility But generally speaking, it's hard to run in a place that's not your home, that's not your community. The other thing to keep in mind is that in today's Congress, you are less concerned about a challenge from the other party than you are from a primary within your own party. Because of gerrymandering, because of computer computer technology that allows you to surgically draw these districts, very often in the, I'd say about 85% of the Congress is a safe Democrat or safe Republican district. And that other 15% is what swings every every so often. So if Lauren, Bo- Lauren, Lauren Bo- Boebert did not decide she was going to leave her district and run in a different part of Colorado because of the Democrat, who would have – the Democrat almost beat her last time. It was only a few hundred votes. It was the closest race. It was the last race to be called. She wound up making the decision to move because she was getting a strong primary from a more traditional mainstream – conservative Republican, that would have beaten her in a primary. So the first thing to understand is that is that the real challenge nowadays, and this is part of what's wrong with America, in my view, is everyone is so concerned about alienating their base because they don't want to have a, a Lauren Burbert. Now, Boebert did all these things that got herself in trouble, yelled out during the State of the Union address, um, you, you know, had this, this very public interaction with a guy in a theater or whatever it was. What was that, Beetlejuice? Right, I Beetlejuice. think that's right, Beetlejuice. So she now, this guy named Ken Buck in another part of Colorado, clear across the street, a much more conservative, a much more Republican district, announced he's retiring. One of the reasons he is is that I think he supported the impeachment of Donald Trump. He wasn't going to – he might not have survived either, interestingly. 
He decides to resign, and so Boebert's now going to run in a different part of Colorado. I think she has a pretty good chance over there. And as a result, you know, I've, I've, I've read online some Democrats celebrating this. No, no. We had a chance to beat Boebert in her existing district. Um, in, in this new setup, we're probably going to lose both those Colorado seats, unfortunately, for Democrats. So people move. We have it happen in New York. I'll tell you a situation we had happen in New York in 2022, a guy named Bondaire Jones who was a member of Congress who served one term in upstate New York. For those of listeners to the show who are not from New York, it's a swing, moderate kind of district. Mondaire Jones wins it. They redistrict as they do every 10 years after the decennial census. His district gets chopped up in a way that he would have had a run against another incumbent. In fact, the incumbent he would have had a run against was the head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. He decides to run in a different district, but the different district is all the way down in New York City. So Mondaire Jones decides he's going to run in New York City in an open district that was um, a newly created district that now this guy Goldman is in. He runs in that district, doesn't do very well in the primary because he was seen as a carpet beggar, never quite connected to New York City. 2024, he's running back upstate where he used to live because here in New York we're redrawing districts. But make no mistake about it, you're allowed to do that kind of jumping around. It doesn't happen very often because it doesn't look very good to the residents of that community to be jumping around. But Lauren Boebert has a high national profile. She probably can raise money nationally. Um, she'll probably have a primary in that other district. But I think this is a, the, what, what she's done is not unheard of, but it's more about internal Republican politics than it is about defeating a Democrat. Well, if I remember correctly, with Mondia Jones, you're right. He's back in his old district. He's running against Mike Lawler, which should be quite a race. And then you have Bowman, who is in the district uh, to the east, uh, who is uh, being challenged by the uh, Westchester County Democratic Executive Vladimir. That's going to be quite a battle. Wait, is it? That's not the that's not the Lawler district. No, Lawler is now Monday Jones. Bowman is Latimer first and primary, then uh, general. But it, it is interesting because I believe now. Correct me if I'm wrong. That your mentor, the guy who developed you politically, Chuck Schumer, that there was some redistricting going on, and you had Congressman Solars who was a big mocker in Washington, Southeast Asian countries. You know, he was a geopolitical wonk. And then uh, your uh, Schumer at the time, who had been in the Assembly, decides he's going to run in Congress, right? And they have a, a, I mean, a battle of titans. And then Solar tries to get back into it after losing and then runs against Nidia Velasquez, and they create a district that is so pro-Latino-Latina that it looked like it had survived the Rorschach test. It was like a squiggly line through everyone who was Hispanic, and that was it for so long. So, so, yeah, ever since the 1970s, we used to have, I think, the third biggest congressional delegation. Congressional delegations are done based on the census. As New York has lost population and people moved to the south, moved to the west, we've lost a lot of seats. There was recently a, a, a snapshot of the census said we're going to lose even more. So whenever you lose population – Eventually, if you lose enough population, you have to lose members of Congress. So it was always a concern of Chuck Schumer. He got elected in 1980 that he and Steve Solars would be redistricted into the same district and they'd have to run against another, uh, one another. What kind of battle would that have been like if, in fact, it had occurred? Well, Chuck Schumer has said – he said publicly back then that he thought he, it was a very good chance he would be a one-term congressman because Steve Solars was better known. He had much more money at the time. The thing that he didn't have, 
and that this was an early sign of how Chuck Schumer was just a better politician than Steve Solars by far, is that no one likes Steve Solars. And Chuck Schumer cultivated all these relationships with his former assembly colleagues because he realized, look, the people who are ultimately going to decide this are not whether I beat Steve Solars or not, but who draws the district, who's holding the pen, and how much influence I have over that. And you correctly point out that they wound up not throwing Schumer and Solars in together. They chopped up Steve Solars' district four different ways, including with this new Hispanic district they wanted to create. But it would have been a real – Chuck has said publicly back in the day and when I, I, I worked for him in the 80s, he said, look, that, that might have been – I might have had a very short um, – uh, a, a congressional career. And another thing was going on then. Someone named Liz Holtzman, who was then the attorney general, but she had run for controller, and Chuck Schumer didn't support her. And Liz Holtzman was out to get Chuck Schumer. He, she never forgave him. And so city she, controller. She was running she for, ran city for city con- controller. Right. And so she wound up falling back to being the Brooklyn district attorney instead. And she made all kinds of trouble for Chuck. And, and so Chuck was under siege. You know, he is now the highest-ranking Jewish elected official in, New York, in, in congressional history. He's now the, the, uh, a leader in New York. He almost didn't survive because of this kind of internal politics. You're correct. He, in fact, he, he just I, barely dodged If him. I remember, there was an allegation against some fundraising uh, when he was uh, in the assembly. No, it wasn't fundraising. Here's what it was. It yeah. was this allegation that his staff was being used for congressional for campaign purposes. And... To be honest with you, it's almost novel today. That's hardly even would even pass for a, a scandal today because all the time members of uh, polit- uh, elected officials, their staffs volunteer to help their campaigns because they have a lot of skin in the game. They want to keep of their course, jobs, et cetera. Job security. To hardly call, to call that, to say that congressional staffers can't carry petitions and things like that, it, 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 it's laughable that that now, would be considered a scandal Am I today. correct that that got kicked upstairs to Mario Cuomo, who was the governor at the time, to his criminal justice coordinator, Palumbo, and it dissipated? It no longer became an issue? No, what happened was basically uh, uh, Liz Hall, it was in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. This wasn't a big statewide thing. Brooklyn District Attorney's Office, and it just didn't stick. They couldn't get it to stick. And um, he dodged the bullet. He dodged it. Now, again, I just want to stress this. This is hardly in the realm of kind of the kind of things that would rise to being scandalous today, because it is acknowledged now that people who work in politics on the government side, not that they're using government resources. No one ever accused Chuck of doing that. They basically Liz Holtzman said, we, we know that someone who worked for you is out collecting petitions to get you back on the ballot. That kind of thing happens happens a lot. But but, you know, you know, they say that you can indict a ham sandwich. You know, it could have gone very differently. A little footnote about Steve Solars. He you know what he's most famous for? He's most famous for bringing down uh, Aquino. Remember the 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 you mean Marcos Marcos. Correct. Marcos. Um, He brought down Marcos. And because the, 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 the government of the Philippines was corrupt, we have and he. As a member of Congress, but a, a leader on the Foreign, uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, um, he brought a lot of pressure on our government and on Marcos, and he eventually had to go. And then they brought this woman, Imelda Marcos, in. Remember Imelda Marcos and all her oh, pairs yeah. of shoes and everything like that. And so for a brief moment, Steve Solars was a national figure. But all of that flying around, while he was doing that, Chuck Schumer was campaigning at the Kings Highway subway station. He was coming home every every night after votes, going, you know, uh, standing outside, wall bounds back in the day. And that made the difference. And the other thing that he was doing, 
He was keeping an eye on what was going on in Albany. Well, and- two things. Two things off of that. I remember I was actually in the Philippines. I have guardian angels there, Manila. Years later, this is after they had flown out uh, um, Marcos to Hawaii. They gave him sanctuary in Hawaii. Remember. Uh, and then Corazon Aquino was elected after her husband was assassinated by the agents of uh, Marcos when he was getting off the plane after he had been exiled. Remember, he was getting off the right. plane right there in Manila. And the boldness and the brazenness of you dare come back to this country, we whacked you right on the tarmac. So that that piece of history is over. Then all of a sudden, I'm setting up the Guardian Angels. I forget who the president was, Madam President, was not related to Marcos. A lot of re- relationships there. A lot of, there were a lot of Marcoses and Aquinos, right. but there were a couple in between, yeah. Right. So I'm in the presidential palace with the Madam President, a whole bunch of delegates from all over the world. There's a million people outside. Yeah. I kid you not, peacefully trying to transition the government from her leadership to a new leadership. I forget exactly who it was. So she's taking questions from all the foreigners. And I raised my hand. I said, Madam President, you know, we just, it took us like three hours to get into the presidential palace. We were walking through a million people who had come from all over the Philippines, all over the Philippines, to seek your ouster uh, peacefully. She goes, you will learn, my friend. I don't know why she called her my friend, my American friend, that this goes on here all the time. <laughs> Government will continue. The people have a right to protest. People don't realize the Philippines was basically structured after the United States. Uh, You had General MacArthur, who went there after World War II. And they tried to structure everything almost directly around the United States, except a lot of nepotism. Well, when we had a big military presence there, and also, I'm pretty sure officer and a gentleman was in the Philippines, right? Wasn't that where the base was? I believe for so. The Subic Bay, that whole area yes, there. Yeah, yeah. One last question, though. I always thought Chuck Schumer wanted to be governor in the worst way and not U.S. senator. So here's the thing. So he, governor and mayor, were, were talked about. But during my time with, with Chuck Schumer, it became very clear to him early on he was a legislator. That was his thing, being a legislator. And I always thought that he would not – I mean, I thought he'd be an okay mayor, an okay governor, but I'm not sure he had the same temperament. He was so good – at legislating, and early on, you know the first legislative thing he really sunk his teeth into? Immigration reform, and we can talk about that later. Oh, we'll definitely will be pushing everything aside. But up next, Nikki Haley, now that she's prime time in New Hampshire. Discussion about slavery, the Civil War, except she omitted the term slavery. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. 
Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority goldguide.com Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anthony Weiner in the house. Yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. It was prime time for Nikki Haley and New Hampshire last night. The question was about the Civil War cause. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. Government doesn't need to tell you how to live your life. They don't need to tell you what you can and can't do. They don't need to be a part of your life. They need to make sure that you have freedom. We need to have capitalism. We need to have economic freedom. Thank you. And in, in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. What do you want me to say about slavery? No, um, uh, you answered my question. Thank you. Well, that's what happens when you're in a place like Iowa and New Hampshire where you have to go to these town hall meetings, which I think should be required. Because once you get to the Super uh, Tuesday primaries after South Carolina, it's over. It's all TV time. But, boy, she was right there having to answer that question. She flubbed it. She tried to recover this morning. But isn't it interesting with all the issues that we have out there that a future president would have to deal with, it comes back to the cause of the Civil War. Yeah, but it's also now that she's answered that question, now videos are emerging. This is the way she's answered for a while. It's a good insight for those of us in the north, those of us on the coast, how political leaders in the Republican Party talk about slavery still to this day because they're still tiptoeing around the part of their party that, you know what, um, you know, they, they wanted things to go backwards. The, the crazy thing about first of all, I, 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 we were talking about it. I don't know if it was this week or over the weekend that Nikki Haley was going to have her moment in the barrel. You know, you no, get, you brought it up. You, you get said, built up, you right. get built up, and then they come after you, you, get torn down. Now, this was not a particularly hard question. The very first um, um, sentence in South Carolina's Articles of Succession was and increasing hostility on the part of the non-slaveholding states to the institution of slavery on why they were succeeding. So she knows, well, I, I assume she knows better and just didn't want to offend, and I don't know who it is. And now that the, now the next thing that she's doing, which is not a great sign for President Kennedy, she's, oh, the question was a plant. Even if the question was a plant, it was probably on one of her Republican opponents, but even if the question was a plant, it wasn't a particularly hard one. No. <laughs> you know, it's funny, sometimes politicians get caught up on the easy questions, not the hard ones. Well, the really tough question would have been, and my father taught me this, uh, Merchant Seaman, 54 years, Chester. 
Who was the second person to propose secession from the Union after South Carolina? And it wasn't a southern state. It was the mayor of New York City, Fernando Wood. Fernando Wood. When I tell that to people, they say, like, they typically say to me, oh, you're making that up, Curtis. You're making that up. No. Look it up. It's true. As we continue here on the Greg Kelly Show, he's away today. This is our Red Apple Audio Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. In less than 24 hours, Team uh, Haley uh, has a response to the omission of slavery as a reason for the Civil War last night in that town hall meeting that, uh, that uh, Nikki Haley was hosting. Let's hear what Nikki Haley has said to try to clear the record on that. Of course the Civil War was about slavery. We know that. That's unquestioned, always the case. We know the Civil War was about slavery. But it was also more than that. It was about the freedoms of every individual. It was about the role of government. By the grace of God, we did the right thing and slavery is no more. But the lessons of what that bigger issue with the Civil War is that let's not forget what came out of that, which is government's role, individual liberties, freedom for every single person, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do and be anything you want to be without anyone or government getting in your way. I... uh... I didn't see that as a conclusion of the Civil War. I, where is she? Why is she going in all these directions? Yeah. It, I, I could see if you made the argument slavery, yes, states' rights. Right? Slavery, states' rights. Okay. Why do you think she's decided to extrapolate this into, like, this was the consuming uh, issue that has affected our life ever since? I, I don't understand what the hell she's doing here. You know what I think? I think to assume i think you've got to assume that the governor of south carolina who's running in a presidential primary i think she knows her audience here i think that she is keeping an eye on the southern white male conservative slash retrograde vote that exists in the republican primary and she wants to be sure to to send some messages to them she knows how to talk about the civil war and about reconstruction this was not a this was not a gaffe to the people in South Carolina, I bet. And so, but here's what the 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 the, pro, the 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 troubling thing about that answer is it ignores the idea that also what came out of uh, of Reconstruction was the Fourteenth and Fifteenth Amendments. You know, like the idea of empowering uh, of empowering blacks to not only vote but also to have equal protection under law and all these different types of things. But she knows 
she has to go from New Hampshire, a fairly moderate state, and quickly go to South Carolina, her home state. So she's talking to those voters back there. I mean, yeah, this might be a gaffe, but it also does speak clearly to what how she sees the Democrat, the Republican electorate. All right, so um, it has very little impact on Iowa voters, very little impact on New Hampshire voters. But you're right. She returns to where she made the decision to remove the Confederate flag from the state capitol. I believe it was, remember, in the aftermath of that uh, white guy going into that black church and just killing black people indiscriminately. Yeah. Uh, the, Charleston, uh, yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden they made the move. Now, what people don't realize is every state that uh, removed themselves from the Union had their own secession flag. South Carolina had its own. I spent time there, Myrtle Beach, looking at all these golf courses when I organized Guardian Angels in Savannah. And I said, what's that? I said, well, that's the Confederate flag, part of the state flag. That's the secession flag. I said, what do you mean secession flag? Oh, yeah. Every state that seceded had their own secession flag. So you had the Confederate flag, the battle flag, obviously, of Jeff Davis, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson. Uh, I remember my first time going to Richmond, Virginia. I spoke at University of Richmond. They had the Confederate Walk of Fame, Anthony Weiner, which has been disassembled. Every conceivable Confederate general was on one side or the other. The two biggest statues were General Lee, Stonewall Jackson, and uh, Jeff Davis. And then to appease everyone at that time, this is in the 80s, you know who was at the end, the statue that was at the end? Which one? It was the pride of Richmond, Virginia, Arthur Ashe. Because he was born and raised, he played on the public uh, tennis courts in Richmond, uh, obviously at a time where civil rights hadn't yet really emerged as a young boy. He learned the game. So at the end of walking through like 40 Confederate statues, which blew my mind away, you know, I'm coming from the north. Hey, these were the traitors. These are the guys who tried to undo the Union. And then at the very end... They put up a, a a big statue of Arthur Ashe there. Just, now they, all those statues are gone. Most statues have been removed. But it brings us back to Charlottesville, which became a huge issue in the beginning of the Trump administration and the way that was handled. And now we see that just hours ago, the courts have made a decision to remove from Arlington National Cemetery the Confederate Memorial it has been there ever since the aftermath of the Civil War. You know, I what is in the water right now? The president, uh, uh, Donald Trump, gets knocked off the ballot based on a 14th Amendment section that hasn't been used, was written during during the, the aftermath of the Civil War. Reparations is now going to be, uh, there's been a reparation study in New York City, maybe other places. Nikki Haley, right before the, the, the primaries and caucuses, the big issue on everyone's mind is who, what the cause was of the Civil War. You know, anyone who thinks that race is behind us as an issue has to just look at this week in our in our history. It seems like everywhere you turn. And b- by the way, I mean, you might not agree with this. I think it's excellent having these history lessons every once in a while. But everyone has to go back and try to say, oh, well, where, what did South Carolina do? Why did we pass the 14th Amendment? You know, all these things. I'm not afraid of, of this of this history. But it is wild that just when you think, you know, when people say, all right, maybe race is receding a little bit as an issue in our country, it, it kind of jumps up and becomes the dominant issue here at the end of 2023. But imagine after all this time, 
in Arlington Cemetery, which obviously we focus on Memorial Day, generally the president lays a wreath there or the vice president. Uh, that is the largest military cemetery. I was not aware there was a Confederate memorial there, but apparently it's been there ever since the end of the Civil War. But now we're making a decision that it is to be removed from Arlington National Cemetery. Sort of reminds me, my first time going to Tokyo, uh, starting Guardian Angels there, and the leader there said, let's go to the military cemetery. They have a military cemetery of all the Japanese, at least from that area, that perish. And, you know, they believe in ashes. Uh, they don't uh, bury the bodies. So there were all these little single solitary slabs there in honor of whatever uh, – um, a member of the military from Japan. There was there was Navy, there was uh, Air Force, there was Army, and it's all very condensed. And I almost felt that I was violating what my father had said since he served <laughs> in World War II as a merchant mariner. You don't go to a Japanese cemetery. You don't go to a Nazi cemetery. They were the enemies. And yet how many years later, right, there are allies Obviously, they weren't our allies then. They were our mortal enemies. They were trying to destroy us. But these kinds of traditions just, they don't die. Right. I I remember in a related story, remember the controversy around Ronald Reagan visiting Bitburg, visiting a German cemetery and the same thing. But it is really wild. I mean, look, I am, again, I am fine having these conversations about our history. It's good that we kind of turn over these stones a little bit and look at them. And I also think what we learned this week with, with the, the, the Nikki Haley thing is there is still a substantial portion of America who looks at the Civil War period with, you know, that the, the right team didn't win. They still believe that. And I think that's important for all of us to be reminded. We're kind of isolated from this. But moments like this remind us. And, and, and remember, you know, Nikki Haley, she's going to lose in Iowa pretty badly. New Hampshire is where she's making her beachhead. If she manages to hang around, she's going to then go immediately to South Carolina, where I think then a guy named Tim Scott is going to be Tim Scott, who who was running for president, didn't do very well. He wants to be the vice presidential pick. I think it might be the kind of thing that Donald Trump might say to give him an advantage in South Carolina, you know, that I'm seriously considering Tim Scott. And I would see Tim Scott maybe endorsing Trump at that point. So this is not. None of this, I think, is an accident. I do think that it looked bad for Nikki Haley, and I do think it will get her trouble in the general election, and I think she's got some explaining to do, but it is not an accident of politics. She knows how to talk about these issues. But it is amazing because she's smart. Uh, This seems to be too calculated, way too calculated. Here is the governor who took down the Confederate flag that was part of the state flag over the state capitol in South Carolina. Uh, made the decision to do that. Just run on the issues that are affecting us now, not on Civil War issues. I get that. But do you, you remember, I want to say it was W, the gotcha question then was like, give me the name of the prime minister of Poland or something like that, or the president of Poland, like five, second tier. Oh, yeah, of, yeah, they used so to that, do that all the time. That would be the gotcha question of then. I don't think this was so much a gotcha question is – Tell me what it's like as a governor of South Carolina. Talk to me about slavery. Talk to me about the Reconstruction. Talk to me about the Civil War. And she went back to the language that served her well for years in South Carolina, where you don't say the S word. You don't talk about 
that that you talk about how it's you know you try to make these white guys think they won, um, and she's not going to get that vote. You see, I, I think for her to even think she's going to get that vote, forget about it. What I would suggest, if you would even listen to me, is that you know you were the governor of the state per capita per person that had more veterans living in your state than any other state in the nation. That is a big issue, veterans' rights, what gets done for veterans, whether they served in peacetime or wartime. You see, with our own embrace of Tunnel to Towers, their big issue this year is getting housing for homeless veterans. Focus on that. If you replay the Civil War, you, you go nowhere. You I spin don't think, your wheels. Yeah, I think that's right, but I think you and I don't really understand what's going on in the DNA of the Republican Party nationally. I don't think you would be a very successful national candidate. No, in the Republican no, I would Party. not be. That's for sure. So you know me. It would be the stars and bars, the flag of treason, the Johnny Reb flag. Thank God they did away with that. Yeah, I don't. But I think the Republican Party. I hate to say this in the quiet sanctums of the base of the party. I think she's got the tone better than we realize. I think that answer was not seen as a gaffe in a lot of places that are going to be voting in Republican primaries well, right now. When I went to Daytona, uh, it was from Tampa. We took a ride down to Daytona. They were having one of their many races there, the Daytona. It wasn't the Daytona 500, one of their many other races. And I walked the track, and it was just a smell. You know, you just smell the petrol. You know, it's like they use, like, they use, like, jet fuel there. They don't even use, like, gasoline or anything. It's like it's kerosene, whatever they use. The smell, and then the smell of burning rubber. They love to burn that rubber. And everywhere I looked was a Johnny Reb flag, a Confederate flag. Yeah. This, is, this is northern Florida. I get it. It's like being in Georgia. But I even said to myself, where the hell are the American flags? It's like I, I thought I was in a foreign place. By the way, speaking of the culture of the South, I, too, went to one NASCAR race. It's really hard to explain. The culture around that is, I mean, those are bigger than this. Each one of those is, like, bigger than the Super Bowl. Each Absolutely. one of these NASCARs. And people line up. And you'll see, like, miles of cars and RVs and people lined up. And, I mean, again, you know, I have said before, the biggest cultural shock that I got when I went to Washington was the conversation around guns. That guns for Democrats and Republicans alike in the South just mean something different than they do for us in the North. But a close second is NASCAR. <laughs> like we, they, we have no. It's just a completely different thing. But it's such an important part of the culture down there. People are wearing sweaters with the name of their favorite racer and their number. You know, everyone knows the Chevy number five car. Everyone knows exactly what Rich, that means. Richard Petty from North Carolina. That's my boy, Richard Petty. There. I mean, you know, it goes. You're right. It goes on and on. It was the closest thing we had to that were uh, when you would get in. I remember we had the little dirt tracks in which uh, I forget what you call those uh, things. Go-karts, right? That's right, go-karts. That was about the closest that we up here north ever got into that. Or you'd have to go way out to Long Island where they'd have their demolition derbies there. You know, they'd have their broken down formal muscle cars going round and round like a dirt track. I think it was Islip. Or you had Raceway Park down in New Jersey, you know, where they had the Formula One cars, the funny cars. But other than that, we were really never affected other than drag racing on uh, Fountain Avenue in East New York, Brooklyn, you know, with your Olds Rocket 88. Uh, with your various muscle cars. Yeah, we would, we would, every once in a while get a little taste of it when they used to do the rodeo or muscle car things over at the garden. I don't know if they still do them. 
and you would hear the ads. You, we would have the ads here on the radio, you know, hot rods, whatever it is. And I would always, as a kid, scratch my head like, what What are they talking about? Raceway but, Park, Raceway Park. Raceway Park. Park, that's right. Hot rods. That's right. And just foreign to me, foreign <laughs> to Anthony Weiner, but probably not to many of you listening to the Greg Kelly Show. Greg Kelly, Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anthony Weiner, Curtis Sliwa here. In the next hour, Anthony, I'm going to uh, make you the czar of uh, immigration control, we'll call it a new name, immigration control down at the border. We see the pictures of the president, uh, Madam First Lady, down in St. Croix, uh, Virgin Islands, as they uh, take their vacation over the holiday. Uh, he dispatched uh, the uh, Secretary of State of Mallorca's also Homeland Security down to meet with the Mexican uh, president. Uh, they promised to send a delegation to Washington at the start of the first year to try to resolve this border issue. We see thousands who are gathered. We have new rules and regulations about buses coming into the city of New York uh, by Mayor Eric Adams, a whole host of immigration-related issues, which seems to be dominating the news cycle, even more so than the ongoing war of Israel versus Hamas, what's going on in the Persian Gulf, the Red Sea with the Houthis, uh, a whole bunch of issues. And now, apparently, at least from what I can see, maybe I'm wrong, being superseded by the immigration issue. Well, I can tie it all together. And here I go. We're going to get those protesters who keep laying across the roadways to lay in front of the buses on the New Jersey Turnpike before they come to New York. Or better yet, we're going to, you know, these guys have no idea what they're protesting at any moment anyway, and they have no idea what they're saying. But if they're going to stop traffic, we're going to get them to lay down in front of these buses. Um, But I'm curious, under... When you become mayor, can you make me the commissioner of turning around buses? Because apparently we need that new agency in your administration. Like, who's in charge of, of bus turning aroundding? Well, I got to tell you, from uh, August a year ago, they were Greyhound buses. They were pounding the Greyhound two days up from the Texas border. Now they're chartered buses. They look like party buses when you look at them. The tinted windows, they're big, huge buses. Hey, you know, bus travel was uh, getting a hell of a lot better because a lot more traveling by bus. 14 buses alone in 72 hours hit Denver, 12 hit Chicago, 12 hit New York City. And now all of a sudden we have the Trinity, the Troika, the trifecta of mayors, Denver mayor, Chicago mayor, New York City mayor together taking on the Democratic president, Joe Biden. Well, why aren't they being more creative about this? Like, well, that's what we're going to give you an opportunity yeah, I mean, to do. You know, these are buses. Why aren't any? If I was the city of New York, I would round up as many um, as many bus operators as I could and said, "Let's apply for these contracts, and then we'll take whoever gets on these buses and we'll leave where they are in Texas and do a big U-turn and bring them to Florida or something like that." Look, I, I actually, all seriousness, I do have some ideas about this. This is a big national problem. But I'm not convinced there isn't more that localities can do. The idea of bus, I mean, you want to turn them around or lay in the arrest people, whatever it is. But I think that there is the, um, more. The, I, I think we should be fighting fire with fire here in New York. Fighting fire with fire. 
with asbestos or without asbestos, <laughs> because we had a steam pipe explosion that dominated the news cycle that it still tied up traffic in knots on the Upper East Side because of the fear of fallout of asbestos fibers in the air. Anyway, up next, with everything going on in the world, at least in the last 72 hours of the news cycle, it's the immigration situation, migrant situation, you call them asylum seekers. At least Joe Biden's hard at work on him. At least he's he's put his nose to the grindstone, working long hours through the holiday. The optics couldn't be worse, Anthony Weiner. Oh, but there's one thing you like, 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 like the, the day rising, the sun coming up, you can always depend on a controversy about presidents taking vacation at a time like this. It's almost inevitable. Except with him, he's always seemingly to be at a beach somewhere. Anyway, when we come back, we've got to explore the possible resolutions to this ongoing immigrant-migrant situation in which hundreds are marching uh, through Mexico. Uh, They're being joined by others along the way. The president of Mexico has not weighed in in terms of what, if anything, he will do after that meeting yesterday. So we're going to leave it to our new czar of immigration services, we'll call it, so it could uh, satisfy your needs. Anthony Weiner to come up with the solutions up next. I have a feeling we're all going to end up immigrating to Iceland after (laughs) what you tell us what we need to do.